Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. May we begin this message today by echoing the simple reminder that I've given on several occasions lately. That of all these things that we are reading here in these scriptures and studying about, they're all very real. Christianity is not just another philosophy. A philosophy that we can take or leave. And it's not just a a set of good instructions about how to live. Christianity is something far more. It's about the very God of all creation. About Jesus Christ. And about all that He is and all that He has done from eternity past to all the eternity future. And it's about all those mysterious, unfathomable Uh, things that he has done in in this gift uh, that he has given in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And about the mysterious changes that have taken effect uh, within men's souls all throughout time since. It's real. And the more you and I receive it as being real and embrace the changes that it's caused to take place, within us, the more you and I are going to be blessed by it. And the more you and I are going to become the people that God desires for us to be. And I'd like to take a step further regarding this word philosophy because men and women, you and I, do love to follow our personal ideas and philosophies about the culture, about social norms, about behaviors, about life in general. And unfortunately for most of the world, even for many who would call themselves Christians, Christianity, listen, Christianity does not rise much above the level of a philosophy. And that's sad. That's very sad. But folks, the simple truth is, a philosophy, all these philosophies that we hold dear, They're nothing more than someone's good idea. An idea that for some reason took hold and was adopted by our culture and especially by ourselves. And reformed to a lot of extent our beliefs, our lifestyles. But listen, that's not so with Christianity. While yes... Christianity does have some elements of philosophy within it. Christianity is just so much more than an idea. It really is a person, a very real person, the very person of God, the Lord Jesus, the living God. And as we receive His blessed salvation, Jesus actually becomes a real living presence within us all the way down to the deepest recesses of our hearts and our souls and our minds, becoming a part of who we are. Now, I recognize that you and I have heard and said 
these very words many, many times. What I've just said is nothing new to us. But I am constrained to keep saying them over and over again and to ask, have they become as real for you, for me, as God intends them to be? We hear words said to us and we mouth those words ourselves. But are we ready to make them become a reality in our lives? Are we ready for them to become real? And by the way, please do forgive my use of that trite word, real. I flinch a little as I say it. But I know of no better word to use, so I'll use it and ask again. Is this Christianity really real for you? And why is it important that I would continue to ask that question of us? It's because unlike the consequences involved in accepting or rejecting a simple philosophy, this Christianity has rewards and recompenses that can't be ignored. Beginning first in all the matters of our daily lives and then following on out into eternity. And for those who would reject it, eternal damnation. Simply put, God is very serious about this Christianity. But are we? Are we? And what should this Christianity really look like in us when we do begin to get serious about it? Now here through these words of the Apostle Paul, God very clearly tells us about some of the ways that Christianity will look once we begin to be serious about it. Here we read, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, listen, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What is that? He goes on to say, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In these words, God is reminding us that now that we've received Christ as our Savior, there's a standard, a new standard, a standard that is outside of ourselves, a standard that is outside of our culture, a standard that is outside of the realms of ideas and philosophies, a standard by which we must begin to walk, by which we must conduct each step that we take within our daily lives, because each step really matters. It's a standard that is worthy of our newfound calling, as sons of God. And note there in those words, the word worthy. Folks, it is an honor. It is such an honor beyond measure to be a son or a daughter of God. Have you thought about that? Do you consider yourself a son or a daughter of God? What does that mean to you? It is an honorable position worthy position. 
And the question that's being provoked here in these words is, am I, are you walking in such a way that is worthy of that so honored a position as a son or a daughter of God? How are we walking each day? We read those words also in Colossians 2. There beginning in verse 6 we read, Therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now from the very first moment you and I received Christ into our souls, we really did become a whole new person. We were born again into a whole new way of life as a whole new person. Have you stopped and considered that personally? That you are now a whole new person. And very different. Galatians 2 verse 20 we read, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are new people. As I thought through these words over this past week, I asked myself again, have I been changed? And I really believe that we need to do this. We need to sit down with ourselves and face ourselves with these questions. Have I been changed? And am I continuing to be changed by the presence of Christ within my soul? Am I truly different from the way I was before I received Christ as my Savior? As I took that account of myself, I knew right away, without doubt, that I really am different. I really am different. Changes really are taking place. Too slowly, yes. And not enough of them. But I really am changing. And I'm so very thankful that I'm not that person that I was before I received Christ into my soul. And though I do still often struggle with self-centered attitudes and poor temper and, and other wrong behaviors, I know now that I have something different that takes place within me when those old ways come upon me. God's Holy Spirit within me immediately rebukes me in my conscience and convicts me of my sin and brings me to repentance. That did not happen before. But now it takes place. Every time. He convicts me immediately and brings me to repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7, listen to these words. Godly sorrow, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death. Just being sorry that you did something or that something took place is not enough. 
we have to deal with God the Father about it. And once we do, he brings us to this godly sorrow that produces real repentance. And how kind and generous he is as he reaches into our souls and brings us back to peace and reconciliation with himself. So may I ask, have you taken the opportunity lately to examine your own soul? Have you found that real changes have begun to take place in your own life? Are you different? Can you notice a difference? And may I also ask, do your closest loved ones also see a difference taking place within you? They really should be able to. May I say that again? When the Holy Spirit becomes active within our lives, the things that we do, the behavior, the common behavior of our day begins to change. Can our loved ones, can your loved ones see those differences within you? Have you asked them? Perhaps you should. And if they say that they do not see a difference within you, then perhaps you need to go back and re-examine your relationship with Christ and in your surrender to Him. Now please, let's understand. We do know from these scriptures that we will always struggle with sin. That is a given because sin itself never dies to us. It's a constant, tenacious predator. And through the world, the flesh, and the devil, sin will always be plying its wiles and its temptations. And then... On top of that, the old self within us does not give up easily. Our old self squirms and and tempts and connives within us, trying to resurrect itself. It remembers that ownership over us in our former life. And it wants to regain what it once owned in us. It was truly our slave master. It tempted us and we obeyed. Those words in Romans 6, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But now, in our new life, you and I are truly different. We are different. And the plain truth is, that old self that wants to resurrect itself is dead. It is completely dead within us. And it no longer has power or control over us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then here in today's text, we read that where we, you and I, are being called out of that old life into this new life, into a new calling. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What is it that makes the real difference within us? What is it that makes that real difference begin to show within us? It is that you and I now have a new heart and a new spirit. We really do. We have a new heart and a new spirit living within us. It's not just an allegory that's given in Scripture. It is a reality. And not only that, not only do we have a new heart and a new spirit, God's Holy Spirit has also come to live within us, strengthening us as we read in an earlier chapter here, strengthening us with His power in our inner being, enabling us to be and to act differently. I love those words, and I quote them to us often from Ezekiel 36, where we're told that God says, I will give you a new heart, and I will give you a new spirit. I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. As I read these words, and then the words given to us by the Apostle Paul, instructing us on how we are to respond to the calling that God has placed on our hearts. I'm confident that God will also give me, give you, whatever it takes to carry it out. And so then what is this calling that God speaks of? It's a lot of things, but it's also only a few things. And it has to do, much to do, with that first and greatest commandment that Jesus gave. There he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Our calling, this calling that he's speaking about here is to be found within just these few words. First, to love God with all that we have within us. And then secondly, to love each other in the way that God loves us. This calling begins first with our relationship with Christ. And the most obvious question is, do we really love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I mentioned earlier, that I faced myself recently with that question. Do I really love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I? And I quickly came to realize that no, I do not. No, I do not. Not even close. And I confess that I became distraught for a while. But then I came or was brought back by God's Spirit to the truth. And that is that, yes, where I fell short in that sin of not loving the Lord with all my heart, the Lord Jesus came 
and he wiped away that penalty. But on beyond that, thanks be to God, my thoughts and all that takes place within me I came back to realize that I would never be able to do that. I would never be able to do that. And thanks be to God, His Holy Spirit living within me would enable me to do that which I am not able to do on my own. That His Holy Spirit within me will speak to my spirit. And He'll move me to have that love. Think about that for a moment. All of it is of Him. If I have my relationship right with Him, then not only will Christ pay the penalty for my not being able to love Him in the way that I should, the Holy Spirit will intervene and He will speak to my, my spirit and then I'll begin to love Him. It's all of Him. And then His Holy Spirit will go even further and He'll begin to enable me to do other things too, as He's speaking about here, to walk worthily. Worthily, agreeably, suitably. As He would desire me to. And especially as these words begin to reach into how we respond to those around us, to be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, sometimes we get the, these two parts of this greatest commandment all mixed up. We reach first, most often, to love our neighbor. And we think that that's what we're supposed to be doing first. And the words of Matthew 25 really kind of encourages us along that line, giving food and clothing to those in need and visiting the sick. And so we begin to think that that is the first and greatest commandment, but it is not. While yes, those are good things and we must do them, but they're not first. Firstly, we must give all of our love to the person of Christ. Firstly, we must devote ourselves to our relationship with Him. And then secondly, secondly comes our love towards our neighbor. And again, these words of the Apostle Paul are so very appropriate. Especially having to do with this newness of life that's within us and how we are to respond. My first thought always goes to, and especially as you'd think about this word neighbor. Our neighbor is anyone other than God. Including our wife, our husband, our children our family members, those in our neighborhoods, those in our workplaces, where he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Where better can this humility and gentleness and patience and kindness begin than within our home and then on out into all the other relationships we'll have during the day. God desires these responses from us. And He's simply reminding us that if we'll put one foot forward, 
we'll put one foot forward and begin to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, then listen, he will be faithful to enable that very next step and the next and the next. He will enable our humility, our gentleness, our patience. And he'll give us strength to bear up to the most difficult of circumstances. And so he says to us, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I'll make your efforts, your steps, prosper. May we close with these words. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray.